You're listening to the Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number 31. Since I receive a ton of questions and comments from followers on social media, I'm doing another solo episode to answer all of those and give you all of my best recommendations on everything from health, wellness, fitness, nutrition, mindset, weight loss, and what you can be doing to reach your goals. If you enjoy this episode, all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your social media story or feed to show your love. If you have a second to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud, the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners. Taking the time to share it with your followers and subscribers will totally help keep it thriving, so I can continue to bring you quality episodes like the one you listen to today. This is the Butterfly Effect Podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. The Butterfly Effect Podcast is brought to you by The Sweat Effect. If you love delicious tasting protein bars that also happen to be low calorie, then Built Bars are the answer. My clients love reaching their goals while eating foods that actually taste good, and Built Bars are my number one recommendation for them. If you would like to try them out, use promo code SWEATEFFECT to receive a discount on your order as well as free shipping. Welcome to episode number 31. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. I've taken a bunch of questions from all my followers, and I'm going to be giving you tips and advice on everything from health, wellness, mindset, and fitness. Okay, guys. So first question that I received was, how do I mentally and physically deal with holding on to weight from dieting for so long? Um, This isn't a question directed at at myself, um, but they were just wondering how they would deal with it. So In a past episode, um, I believe I talked about calorie adaptation. So what happens to the human body if we are in a calorie deficit for too long? Because as we know, in order to lose weight, we have to be using more calories than we're taking in. And that is a very generalized overview of weight loss, but that is the scientific um, basis behind it. Okay, so um, a calorie deficit is what that's called. Now, if you're in a calorie deficit for too long, your body can start to adapt to that, the calorie intake that you have. So I'm going to give you an extreme example. Let's say um, you have been trying to lose weight for the last five years. So you've been eating a thousand calories every day. What happens to your body is they will adapt to those calories. And then that becomes your new baseline. That becomes your new maintenance calories and you won't lose weight after that. So even though you would technically have been in a calorie deficit because you prolonged it for so long, your body eventually just adapted to being in a state of such low calorie that it won't actually cause weight loss anymore. So how do we come back from that? Well, we have to increase our calories um, because your body cannot sustain being in a calorie deficit for that long. And So with my clients, I like to do some calorie cycling, um, some diet breaks, things like that. Uh, People are definitely very resistant to doing this, but 
Also, I think a lot of my clients know that every recommendation that I give to them is for their ultimate benefit. And I want to see them reach their goals. So in order to do that, sometimes you have to increase your calories. So a diet break is necessary and increasing your calories. And so that doesn't mean, you know, you have to extreme and like you're crazy and binging because that's the whole thing that we're trying to get out of like a binge and restrict mentality. While we do need to be in a calorie deficit, we need to be in a one that's appropriate for our body that we can also maintain. But if we're restricting too much for too long, and then we need to increase, it can't be this binge mentality either. We need to increase our calories, you need to start, um, you know, there, there's a chance that you can gain some weight. And you have to be okay with that because you also have to know that you're not going to make any more progress doing what you're doing. Um, one of my favorite quotes is nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you've been doing the exact same thing and nothing has changed with your weight, you need to do something different or else nothing is going to change. So yeah, for, if it was my client, then I would recommend a calorie increase and we would stay there for a while. And there's a few things that you can look at to see if like, I mean, obviously I used an extreme amount when I said a thousand calories over five years, but yeah, if you've been in a calorie deficit for a few years and you haven't had any increases, then that can also be something, but you need to look at different um, states of your health to see if you're, you know, it's having negative effects. So um, one thing can be for women, if they're not getting their period, if you're not sleeping well, um, if you're cold all the time, if you have hair loss, those are all indicators that, yeah, that, that you need some, that you could need a diet break and needs an increase in calories. So um, very hard for me to generalize for everybody, you know, when I don't see specifics. I also receive questions from people in my inbox. Hey, um, I work out this many times a week and I eat this many calories, but I'm not seeing any progress. Like what recommendations can you give me? One, I can't give you any recommendations because I need to see all of the information. So without working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you can't just hit up somebody's DMs looking for free nutrition advice because that's why people work with me is so I can specifically adjust and cater to what their needs are. So um, yeah, you will, I'll never be able to give you effective nutrition advice with a message in my DMs like that. If you want effective nutrition advice, you need to work one-on-one -on -one with a coach and they can adjust and personalize things to what works for you. For instance, I don't know how you sleep. I don't know what your training is like. I, based on those calories, like I don't know what you're eating. Um, there's so many things that play a role into why. I don't even know how consistent you are. You know, maybe you think that you eat 1600 calories a day, but then on the weekends you go and you eat 4,000. So you're technically bringing yourself out of your calorie deficit that you'd been in all week. And now you're just at maintenance. So there's a lot of things and a lot of information that I need to see before I'd be able to give anybody any nutrition advice. Basically, don't, don't send <laughs> nutritionists or dietitians those types of messages. <laughs> like we can give you lots of free tips and stuff. And I do, I give tons of free advice, but I can't specifically tell you something that I have no idea without 
seeing all of your information on. That was a side note anyways. Um, okay. Next question. Can individuals have an ideal body weight to balance strength, speed, gymnastics, to be competitive in CrossFit? Is there an optimal weight to performance ratio? This is a tough one because, um, everybody always thinks that like being their leanest self, you know, will make it easier. Like you'll be able to be faster and your gymnastics will be um, better because, you know, you're not pulling around as much body weight when that's actually maybe not the truth. Um, for myself, in order for me to maintain like, um, a decent amount of strength, I have to carry just a slight bit more like body fat on me than I would like to. Um, like when I was 35, I had been in a calorie surplus for a while and then I lost the weight. So I had, um, some re residual strength from that when I went to my calorie deficit. So I didn't see a huge decrease in strength from that. However, um, my training, I didn't train as hard, uh, after that. And after I got super lean and then I lost quite a bit of that strength. Um, and now I'm still trying to like gain that back. But in order for me to gain the strength back, I need to increase calories and, you know, it, like I'm okay with it. I don't dislike the way that I look. Um, and I know that I could be leaner, but if I'm trying to be a little bit more competitive and gain the strength that I want, which will also gain strength in gymnastics, even though I'm pulling around a little bit more weight, then yeah, I, I have to eat a little bit more. So that's where people also have trouble. Everybody's like, well, I saw a podcast once where Tia Toomey eats 2,100 calories a day and she trains for like six hours a day. So if she can do it and it's like, well, you have no idea what her body is like. Everybody's is different. And I believe that, you know, if I ate in like a surplus for a while and like gained a lot of strength and gained weight, muscle and fat, then leaned out again, I would be able to maintain some of that strength. However, where I'm at right now, it's not, I, I need to be, yeah, I need to be gaining some weight and I'm probably six or seven pounds heavier than I'd like to be, but for no reason, like, you know, like this is why the scale is a ridiculous thing. Um, and it's just like the way things, my, the way my clothes and stuff fit, I guess I feel, I just feel better when I'm five pounds less, but that's not actually sustainable for what I want to do um, with CrossFit right now, because I would like to be stronger. I would like to get my squat back up there. We tested it not that long ago. Um, and I lost a ton of strength when my, I had injured myself and now I'm starting to kind of gain that back again and starting to gain some leg endurance because my leg endurance was really, really bad. And I have back squatted 270 pounds before. Um, and I even that, like that wasn't my strongest when we were on a big squat cycle, I was doing tons of squatting. Generally, I could probably maintain around 250 as my one rep. Like that's not even that crazy strong. There's definitely so many people that are much, much, much stronger than I am. Um, but I tested like, I don't know, a couple months ago and I could only squat 235. Um, so I still have a little bit of strength to gain. Also, I'm still a little bit like cautious with my back. So I did not push to failure on it. Um, 
I was also squatting by myself. So not that I never have issues, um, like bailing on my own, but like, what if something went wrong? (laughs) People can probably relate to what I'm saying. You know, it's just, I'm a, it's a little nerve wracking. I used to, when I was, if I was doing heavy snatches in the garage, um, by myself, I would like text my friends and be like, Hey, it's snatch day. If you don't hear from me in like 30 minutes, please send help. Because I was always scared, you know, it's like one little thing could go wrong and you know, you're dropping 150 pounds on your neck or something, but not to scare anyone. (laughs) I love snatching is my favorite thing to do, but I am also just like to be a little bit cautious as well. So yeah, long story short, um, is there an ideal weight? I think for myself, if I can be like, I used to think being around like 147 pounds was the best for like my gymnastics and my muscle ups. But now that I'm stronger, um, I like to be 150, but in order for me to cut down, like, I don't know, the six or like I said, six or seven pounds heavier than I am right now, I would lose more strength. Um, my recovery would be worse. I wouldn't be as properly fueled, even though I really focus around, you know, carbs around my training sessions and everything else you can do for it. I just, yeah, maybe someday, but not right now. I'm going to stay probably at the weight that I am for a bit. 155, I can be strong, but I'm still carrying a little bit of extra fat. You know, fat's okay. Fat is okay, you guys. And when you look at it from a performance standpoint, you have to decide, what do you want more? Do you want to become better at the sport? Do you want to become more competitive? Um, and this, and I'm speaking in terms of CrossFit. So this isn't necessary, like, you know, obviously swimmers and runners and things like that, like they want to be super lean and fast. Um, but for my, like I mentioned strength. Yeah. I, I need to carry a little bit more body fat. And I, and I think if anybody's ever played around with that, they kind of know what their ideal. And like I said, for me, that is for me, it's like 150 to 155 pounds. That is not everybody for other people. It could be 165 pounds. It could be 145 pounds. It totally depends on you and your abilities and your body type and on and on and on and on and on. But this is just what I've learned over the past 11 years of CrossFit and when I felt the best. Um, honestly, I'm the best I've ever been at my gymnastics right now. So, you know, that's pretty cool knowing that I'm around that 157 mark. Um, yeah. And gaining some strength back too. So I still need to PR my snatch. I haven't snatched over 170 pounds in well, it's been a couple of years now. I've hit 165 so many times and it must be in my head why I can't snatch 170 again, but my goal is to hit that 175 and I believe that I can do that. Do it before I'm 40 anyways. Uh, okay, next question. Is there a correlation between being lean and health? You guys probably know what I'm going to say to this question. Um, it, it that is there's an in-between. You can be too lean and it's unhealthy. And obviously there is obesity that affects your health as well. So yeah, it's somewhere in between, right? If, if you're too lean and you're not getting like those other things that I met, mentioned earlier, not getting your period, uh, cold all the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, 
hormone related. I've even heard that like people won't sweat as much if their hormones are messed up because they tried to eat too low calorie and tried to get too lean. Um, those aren't healthy. Your hormones have been affected. Your metabolism has been affected. That's not health. Like you could be super lean, like having abs doesn't mean health. And uh, people always are like, how do I get abs? And there's like, I don't know. You know, you need to be lifting a lot of heavy weights and building muscle and it depends on body type and it depends on, you know, what your diet looks like. It, it depends on a lot of things and it's always, people are like, that's their marker for health is abs and that definitely is not where health lies. And on the opposite end, yeah, then obviously obesity, you know, and health don't go hand in hand together. So then there's a mental health aspect of everything. Um, you know, are you too obsessed with being lean? What is, what do you feel the most confident at? Where do you feel your best? And is it affecting other things outside your life? Are you just obsessed with fitness and nutrition and you don't have physical connection with other humans outside? So yeah, that you you can be too lean and unhealthy, but you guys knew I was going to say that anyways. Okay, uh, after you lost the weight, how did, did you find it a struggle to stay where you're at now? No, I don't because I actually truly genuinely love the way that we eat and our, you know, schedule with our fitness regime. And I had to try some different things. I thought we had we had moved from um, a city where we worked out with our friends at, at an affiliate CrossFit gym. It was like a date with your friends every single day. It was like doing something fun with friends. And then we moved and we're working out by ourselves in our garage. And my husband goes away for work. And then I was working out all by myself. And I found myself in the gym fewer and further between. And you know, I don't, I didn't know how to get that spark back. Um, so then I had to look and see what was happening. What could I do to make it so I was going to be more consistent with it? And at that point, um, I decided to invest in personalized online coaching. Um, I have a coach out of Calgary who sends me programming based on my skills and abilities and things that I need to get better at. And it's the accountability of having to send you know, him, my weekly check-in that makes me want to do it. Plus, once you start seeing, you know, results and start reaching goals, you want to do it. And I don't know, you, I don't know, I was just more consistent. So I, and I needed that. Um, and then as far as I, it goes with eating, I've, I just found the foods that we truly love to eat and yes, my weight definitely fluctuate, fluctuate, fluctuates between, you know, five pounds either way. Um, and I think it will, it will always do that. And I think people need to be okay with that and just know that there are different times where you're like, Oh, if I have gained five pounds, it's like, okay, well maybe my intake isn't matching with, you know, my output right now. So I need to adjust some things, but 
No, I, I didn't. I truly believe that if you are doing something consistently that you love, that it's so much easier to maintain. And yeah, that's my kind of my answer to that. Um, if you're not eating what you love and if you don't have an exercise regime that you love, then you need to find something that will get you in there more consistently. Um, get you walking. Like I have three dogs and one of them is a great Dane puppy and people always think great Dane sleep a lot. Yeah, she does. She probably sleeps for like 16 hours a day. But when we go on that walk, like she is like ready for it and I need to take her like there's no getting around it. So, um, I also found, you know, increasing my steps and making sure I was getting that 10,000 steps in a day that helps. Like I love food and I love eating and I definitely will go to a restaurant. Um, you know, not on a weekly basis by any means, but every once in a while and we'll order like the deep fried buttermilk chicken burger with a side of fries. But do you know how often that that happens? Like maybe once a month. So like, I don't feel like I crave things like that because I do love what I eat. And if you're balancing your amount of movement with the amount of food you're eating, then yeah, it, it is easier to maintain your weight. And if you like it and are satisfying cravings with, you know, finding different ways to make foods that you love that are maybe like a little less calorically dense, that is how I believe that, you know, people will maintain it. But yeah, staying out of restaurants is another big thing. Um, like I said, I probably, we probably, I probably eat out once a week. Um, but I don't always choose, like I said, a deep fried buttermilk chicken burger. That's my favorite lately. That's why I keep going back to it because I think I'm on a quest for finding the best one. So far, the best one that I like is in Ladysmith. So <laughs> it's at a place called Zach's. Um, if anybody has been on the island, it's right on Main Street. <laughs> I wish I was getting a promotional like gig with Zach's and like they'd give me free buttermilk burgers or something. Um, but that is, yeah maybe once a month I'll do that. So I don't know, it balance. I know it's, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, eating in moderation is not like this wow factor, but yeah. Um, adjusting things when you're moving less, like if I'm walking less, I can't eat as much or else I'll gain weight. Um, you know, if, and that'll happen in the winter time, or you can use that, like I said, as like a big, you know, a way to gain strength. And then maybe you want to go through, you know, a, a phase where you lean out come spring. Cause it always happens in wintertime, right? We're walking around less, we're doing less. So maybe we go to the gym, but we're getting less steps in. I don't know, maybe use the winter to gain some strength or, and then like when you're moving around more in the spring and you'll lean out more. But again, it's not about just me, like going crazy with food, balance and moderation. It's kind of like I have a friend who believes that his grass, all he needs is patience and water. Even if the dog pee has completely burnt it in patches, just patience and water and it'll come back. And that's what I like to say about nutrition, just moderation <laughs> and balance. So yeah, that's, I don't find something that you like and that you're consistent with, stick with it. Um, okay. How do you stay motivated? Well, 
it's true that you don't stay motivated all the time. Um, I had a rough, I hit a rough patch when we moved here. It turned out it was stress. I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't feel like over, like I wasn't feeling like overwhelmed. I was just like getting through the to-do list. Like we moved here and we didn't have any furniture, like anything. Like I moved in with an endy mattress that was in a box the first night. I just cut open the box and laid it on the floor and slept there. And I was like, okay, now we need to start gathering furniture because we have nothing here. We had gym equipment, of course, um, because, you know, you can't leave home without that. But everything of our furniture we sold in Saskatchewan. So, yeah, I needed to, like, get to work finding stuff to sit on. And, you know, (laughs) so it was like, yeah, you're like, okay, big deal. You had to get some furniture. Um, That was it. Like, you know you come here and you don't know where anything is. Like I had never been to this area before. Um, we bought the house site on scene. So we still had to find, and we had like no doctors or, you know, dentists or things like that. Um, it was just like, it was just stuff to do that took up time. And I found my motivation for working out less and less and less. Cause I found those things were taking up more time in my day. I was getting tired and I was just, not motivated. And I actually, um, won a a contest on Instagram with a mindset coach. Um, so it was a month of working with her and like, we started out small again, just like getting into the gym and doing something. And generally if you put your shoes on and you go and you do something, you will probably end up doing more than you thought. Even if you were like, okay, I'll just go do the squats from today. I won't even worry about doing the, the Metcon part. So I would get my shoes on and go out there. And I generally I would get like a couple things done and just built from there. And then when I started building, then I also realized I was starting to see progress again. And when you start to see progress in anything, it is way more motivating. But the truth is motivation will not just come back on its own. Um, I always tell my clients, like I have to, like I was having to physically like, schedule it in my planner as like a meeting with myself to go to the gym. So I would set aside, you know, that hour or two in my planner just specifically for that. And, um, other things I do that help motivate me is, you know, I video it and post little clips on my Instagram stories also to help like give other people like some fitness ideas. So that was helpful. You can even like start your own Instagram page. Um, if you don't want it on your regular one and just like be posting clips of your training. Cause you know, that'll help keep you accountable or having an accountability buddy. So some of you either work out with, or you text like, okay, what did you, what was your score on that workout? Um, so those are definitely ways that help me get back into a routine. And then when you get that habit back, then it builds because you start to see, like I said, results and you go from there. And then you're like waiting to get into the gym the next day. And yeah, there are some times where I'm like, okay, you know, I actually just took two days off. We went hiking. Um, and like my legs and stuff were pretty trash and I, I still get my 10,000 steps in around here, but two days off in a row, I find is a little like unmotivating. If I take one day off two separate times during the week, I find that better. If I take two, I'm like, oh, it takes a little bit more to get into it. 
Um, if you take a week off, it is definitely harder to get back started again. So, you know, making sure that those rest breaks are, you know, not too long, I think will help too. Um, okay. What else do we have here? What do you do for recovery and what is the difference between a rest day and active recovery? Um, okay. So what do I do for recovery? I, I don't know. I do a lot of things. <laughs> um, so Dr. Drew, who I've had on here, I do have a bunch of supplements that I take for inflammation on a daily basis. So that kind of helps. I'm just an inflamey type person. Like I said, we went hiking on the weekend, my first like backpacking, like backcountry hiking trip. And I woke up after the hike in after, you know, and my pack wasn't even that heavy. Like I got it to under 40 pounds and I think it ended up being 13 kilometers on the way and nothing crazy, but it was a little bit uphill, a little bit of incline because we were uh, climbing up into the mountains. And I woke up the next day and poked my head out of my tent and my friends were like, I was like, I feel super inflamed. They're like, whoa, your face is really puffy. So I think I'm one of those people who just really gets inflamed and um, do like the supplement stack that I take that was recommended to me from um, Dr. Drew Jameson, you know, uh, like it really helps. It's um, vitamin C with bioflavonoids. It's theracumin. Don't, don't at me if I'm not saying it right. Um, I actually take um, a recovery one from Nova 3 Labs. Um, what else do I have in there? Some fish oils, some glucosamine, uh, a little bit of collagen in my coffee. Those all really help um, with recovery. And I stretch almost every day. So that has been a big thing, mainly with my injury too. But like, if you want to tap into some different strength that you have, you need to get shoulders and hips and ankles all moving to their, their, a decent range of motion. Otherwise you will plateau with, you know, some of your strength things. Um, so I do stretch every day. I stretch before my workout. People are like, man, you shouldn't stretch before, but I like the way that my back feels if I do it before I stretch or before I work out. Um, we also have other things like, uh, voodoo floss, lacrosse balls, foam rollers. We have, um, like a cheaper version of a Theragun. We kind of, we kind of do all the, the recovery protocols. Like when something's stiff and sore, I deal with it because yeah, that's the only way you're going to get it. Like working back to its full range of motion and preventing injury as well. So um, the other thing that helps is walking. So I do walk every day, get those 10,000 steps. The more you sit, the more stiff you're going to be. Um, walking helps. And then the second part of the question is, what is the difference between a rest day and an active, an active recovery? So for me, um, active recovery, swimming, biking, you know, um, a hike that isn't like super inclining paddleboarding, surfing, you know, anything that like you're up moving and doing things. Uh, I've taken a full out rest day. We did this one hike in the pouring rain. It ended up being like, I don't know, way longer than we had thought. And the next day I was so inflamed. I could barely get steps in even like I was just exhausted. So that it was like a full out, you know, 
sit on the couch and recover type of a day. So yeah, active recovery, just out moving your body, doing things. And that is I actually how I feel better getting into fitness again the next day um, is by, but that's like what we do on days when we're not in the gym is we're generally doing, you know, we're at like right now it's summertime. So we'll be at the lake or like I said, I was, I, w- I definitely wouldn't consider the backpacking trip that I said is active recovery. That was definitely a workout, <laughs> but you know, going on small little hikes around our house. Um, yeah, that would be the difference if you're just out doing some movement as opposed to just laying around. Um, what would you do if you couldn't work in the fitness industry? This is an interesting question because basically I just love being an entrepreneur. So I would definitely be an entrepreneur. Um, I, that's what I've always loved. So way, way, way back in the day, I used to own a clothing store. Um, and you know, I was like 25 or so I was pretty young, but just really driven. Um, and then like things changed and we were in a mall location and it wasn't going well. So we ended up selling everything and and getting out of that. But I went back and worked a nine to five after that. I'm like, man, do I hate this? Like I'm chained to this desk. I've done all my work for the day. And I literally just have to sit here and do nothing when I could be multitasking and doing other things. And that's when I got into, um, being a mortgage broker and that was awesome. Um, and I did that for a while and, and really enjoyed it. And then a bunch of things changed with the mortgage rules and the mortgage industry. And I just found that it, it ended up being pretty stressful and, and you were kind of taking shit from like both sides. So you'd take shit from the lenders and you'd take shit from the clients. And, um, and at that time I was already doing, you know, nutrition and fitness stuff on, on the side with the sweat effect. And that was just my passion. So I was like, you know, this is a good time to give up my mortgage license and, and just go full bore, full head into this fitness thing and and make it like a full-time self-sustaining, you know, career. Um, we've also done rentals in the past. So we used to have like long-term rentals. At one point we had three of them. So we had a suite in our house in Saskatoon. Plus we had another house that had an upstairs and a downstairs suite in them. Uh, and the rental market was a little tough back then. So I had to deal with some, like when we ended up selling them, it was like (laughs) our tenants were super annoying in our other house. Uh, so we just wanted to sell that house. We had long-term tenants that were also friends living in our basement suite of our house. So that was amazing. Um, but that other house, like the tenants were fighting the upstairs and the downstairs people. Um, we actually thought the woman died in the basement suite. So we had the police come and look, uh, it was what a trip that was. So yeah, we did the rental scene. It's good when it's good, but when it's bad, it's terrible. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So I got out of that, but now we do Airbnbs and it's the same ups and downs. Like we've had some really good guests, not Airbnbs, plural Airbnb one. We have one Airbnb. Um, but yeah, we started off terrible. It started off like with the worst guests ever. And 
and then we built into like some really good guests recently. And I'm, cause at first I was like, this is going to break me. <laughs> like I'm, it's tearing me down. I don't think I can do this, but yeah. Then when it actually turned out to be good guests coming in after that, I was like, okay, like we have, it's a tiny home and we have it on our acreage and they have like their own separate little space, like over on the other side of our yard, treed in like separate from our house and everything. And our property's beautiful. It's got an ocean view. The landscaping in this yard that the previous owners did is incredible. Um, so anybody who comes and stays is like, wow, like it's amazing. It's near the ocean, near so many amenities, but we're also on an acreage. And yeah, it just, it's just awesome. And we wanted to share that with people. And when the first couple of guests were not that great, I was like, oh, did we make a grave mistake? And then with these last few guests, it's been really good. And I know that there'll be ups and downs, but I would consider doing more Airbnbs for sure. Now the market in Vancouver Island is crazy. So to be able to get into another property right now, like you have to pay so much money, so much more money than, you know, you would have when we first moved here, if we had thought about that, but maybe someday. So that would be an option. Um, also I got a little bit into photography. This is so funny that this person asked this question because we were talking about this, this past weekend on our hiking trip. It's like, you know, what would you do if you couldn't do what you're doing? And yeah, I was like, you know, I really am enjoying photography. Like I don't want to be a wedding photographer or anything like that, but like headshots, little mini sessions. Um, I think I would really like to add to, you know, my business component. I really love doing like the clothing side of my business as well. Um, who knows, maybe you could make a go of being a podcaster, like all things that I really love, like there is endless options out there, but I do know that if there is anything, I will always be an entrepreneur. Um, and yeah, maybe someday Curtis will be too. Like, who knows that he definitely isn't as have that entrepreneurial background as I do, but it would be really nice to have him, you know, not having to go to work every second week, but it's all about finding something that you enjoy doing because yeah, if you don't like it, it will definitely take its toll on you and everything will have ups and downs and stress in it. And like everybody does with their regular job too, but I don't think I was ever meant to be a person that just was doing one thing forever. I like having, you know, different avenues and then I'm never bored. And yeah, so who knows, who knows what you will see come out of this. I, I always thought I wanted to own a gym, but then after this whole pandemic, that was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Like people had to shut down. And so I don't know if that's ever going to be a thing. Um, but we'll see to be continued. Okay. So if you could go back and tell yourself something when you were first getting started in your fitness journey, what would you say? I would say, stop whining Ashlyn. I think that's probably the biggest thing that held me back from progress is because I whined so much at the start because it was hard and I, I was uncomfortable but everybody was. And I think that I thought that if I complained about it and other people were feeling the same way too, like we would 
we would connect over it and we would, you know, be friends because of that. And it's like, no, we would just be friends to be friends. If our personalities match, we didn't need to whine about CrossFit or burpees or running together. And, uh, it took me a couple of years to learn that. And then I also learned that like some people just really didn't like listening to me whine either. And I truly believe that's what held me back from potential. It's like things can be hard and things can, you know, you don't have to like everything, but like excessively whining and complaining to other people about them is definitely not the way to go about it. I've learned from experience, so take my word on that. Um, and yeah, that that would be my biggest thing. Just I I kept at it. I kept adding more consistency and um, more more volume. And what I mean what I mean by that is like when I first started, I was like, man, CrossFit's expensive, and I was broke. And so I could only afford to go two times a week. I was like, but it's so effective. Like I'm getting such a good workout when I'm there and I wanted to go more. So then I went from two times a week to three times a week. Cause they had these different options at the time. Keep in mind that was 11 years ago. Um, and then eventually made the transition to an unlimited membership. And I wish I would have done that sooner as well. Just, just gone, just committed to going five times a week. And yeah, again, I, I would have seen, results faster. And turns out I just really enjoyed it. And that was what I connected with. So yeah, pretty simple. Don't whine. Just, you can think something's hard. You can even complain to your spouse about it, but when you're at the gym, keep the whining to a minimum. <laughs> okay. What did you do for your veins? So what people uh, might not know here is that I have varicose veins and recently, like I always just thought it was hereditary. My mom's got some spider veins and whatnot, but it's mainly one leg that's really bad. And I was recently at a doctor's office and we were just kind of talking about the veins and, and she was like, oh, did you ever have an injury to that leg? And I was like, yeah, I fell down a, a flight of stairs when I was um, 15 or 16. It was at this really tall deck and the second step from the top was missing. So when I went to put my foot down, my leg just like... I fell down and my leg kind of got like sandwiched between the other two steps and it left this huge dent. Pretty sure it cracked my like shin bone, but I didn't ever go and get it x-rayed. My foot was massive and it dug in. It, it was like a major hematoma. I like had no, I still, it still feels weird in that spot to this day, like a little bit numb, but like I had an indent of the step in my leg for a long time. Um, it's since like, it like literally like pushed through the fat and everything. Sorry, that sounds super gross. But yes, I had an injury to that leg. And that's the leg that's like so many varicose veins on it. Um, but like I said, yes, had hereditary, like my mom's got some spider veins and stuff. And, but that is why now I was like, oh my God, that is why my varicose veins are so much worse on that leg. So initially, because sometimes they'll get sore, especially on the kind of inside of my leg. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Compression socks. If one more person tells me like, did you try compression socks? Do, do you think that I have not, I, I, that injury happened when I was 15. Do not think that I've been trying compression socks. Every time I go into a doctor's office, they always ask. I literally would need a compression sock that goes from the foot to like the top of my hip. Now, like I have varicose veins all over that leg. So 
about, I don't know, seven years ago or eight years ago or so, I had surgery, vein stripping surgery on that leg. It was pretty painful. It was, (laughs) I didn't, they're like, oh, it's day surgery. I was like, oh, cool. Like I don't even need to take time off work. That was incorrect. So yeah, they actually like take the veins that aren't, you know, that don't have the correct blood flow going through them out to reroute them through other ones. And, uh, and yeah, get rid of like the bulging that comes from the veins, but so that helped for a while. And then they started to come back in other veins. Um, and then we started doing the injections and that will work for like almost a year, but the injections are kind of painful too, but it's like, I don't know, six to one, half a dozen in the other. It's like, yeah, they they could just be sore or I can like deal with getting these injections done. So, um, they inject this foamy stuff into them and it kind of collapses them. Someone who's in the medical profession is probably listening, being like, you're a moron. Like you don't even know what's happening. <laughs> That's the gist of what the doctor told me. Okay. You guys. Um, so yeah, kind of like collapses the vein. And so it's not like bulging out anymore. And, but it will come back. Like I probably have to get it done annually. And then my last appointment was like scheduled for during COVID time. So that got canceled. Then we moved and now I'm on an 18 month waiting list to see a vein specialist here in uh, BC. So yeah, wish me luck because it's going to be a long, like I literally think I have over a year still left because I like hopped on that list like pretty much right after we moved here because I needed to have a health card and everything before I could get on the list. And yeah, that's where things are at. But the injections will work. I'll keep doing them. Um, I probably will never have a surgery again. They made three incisions, kind of one in my um, hip flexor kind of groin region, one like halfway down on the inside of my quad, and then one on my halfway down my the inside of my calf. Yeah, they just grip it and rip it. Pull those veins out. <laughs> I can just imagine. I was like crying. It's the first time I've been put under. And I remember being so scared. This wasn't like, I was like, I was like 30 years old at the time. And I remember the nurse trying to talk to me because I'm like sitting there trying to be normal, trying to act normal. But I was so scared. And like tears just were like running out of the sides of my eyes onto the bed. And she's like, Oh, like trying to distract me, ask me what I do for work. I'm just sitting there crying. And if anybody knows me, I freaking hate crying in front of people. And I don't cry very often anyways. <laughs> so I was pretending that I wasn't crying, but she could clearly see my tears staining my pillow. So, <laughs> oh, good old, good old surgery. Um, so yeah, that's what I did for my veins. Um, but yeah, if you have a, if you got an injury to a leg at some point, that's maybe why you get the veins there. And that was why fell. It was at a party too. It's this huge deck. Oh, I hadn't, I just got there too. It wasn't even like I'd had any drinks or anything like that. Just the step was missing. So lesson learned. Um, okay. So what is your pre and post-workout snack or meal, um, for, for anybody like you should be having a low fat carb based snack, like 40 to 60 minutes before you work out. I like to have it a little bit, you know, like 30 minutes. I don't like working out on an empty stomach at all. 
I just find it super distracting. My go-to is a bagel. Um, just it's a nice, dense carb source, low fat, super easy. Uh, and I really like bagels. So the Dempster's line has really good ones. The banana chocolate chip, so good. And the maple French toast, also so good. So yeah, that's usually my pre-workout snack, just based on the time of day that I work out, because I usually work out mid-afternoon. And uh, that usually takes me to, you know, just before supper. And then I have my supper usually contains, you know, it's a nutrient-dense meal with carbs, fat, and protein in it. So it could be rice or noodles like spaghetti or sweet potatoes potatoes or something in a bun uh, and then usually like a beef or a chicken or turkey so it could be like burgers steak like ground meat sausage and then usually serve with like maybe a salad or saute vegetables um like we eat tacos pasta lots of barbecued stuff sometimes i'll take my meat sauteed veggies and like rice or potatoes throw them all in a bowl and like put some sort of like sauce on it like maybe a little bit of alfredo or I don't know anything my if people have eaten at my house they know that this is like a staple meal and I really like adding cheese to things so yeah that would be or if you were like let's say you work out at noon maybe you have a little like later morning snack and then you just eat your lunch afterwards whether it's like sandwich or whatever it is you took to work that day leftovers those are also awesome for you know the recovery window but yeah that's what I would recommend snack before meal after or meal before snack after just making sure that you're not too full and if you're like ew I cannot imagine eating a bagel I mean you don't have to eat a bagel but that's just what I like to have and this person asked me what my favorite thing was so it could be a banana, it could be applesauce, um, anything to get some carbs in, you know, whatever sits best with you. But yeah, that's what I like. Um, the rest of these are all like food things. So what fast and protein rich breakfast ideas do you recommend? Like if I'm in a hurry, I'll literally take a package of those microwave quick oats, um, cook them, throw protein powder and um, Greek yogurt. Some people like to put egg whites in them, mix it up, maybe some, you know, berries or something. And that's a good protein rich breakfast. It's super fast. Or if I used to be on a big overnight oats kick, because you could like make so many different ones and like put a, make a few, and then you'd have breakfast in your fridge for like a few days that you could just grab and you can either eat them cold or throw them in the microwave, warm them up. So it's basically like quick oats, almond milk, Greek yogurt, protein powder, some sort of berries. I like raspberries in mine. Um, some people like to add chia seeds because it really like sucks up the liquid and makes it more like solidified. Um, yeah, but if you're not into oats, probably aren't the things for you. So egg white omelets are so easy. I stock my fridge with like um, frozen peppers and... Um, onions. I just get mine at same on. It's like a fajita pre-frozen pre-cut mix. So I'll toss those in a pan. So no cutting, no washing. That's all done. Um, like cook them a bit till the, they're not frozen anymore. Throw in some egg whites, maybe throw in some ham and some light cheese and 
then you have like an egg white omelet in like five minutes. Maybe I throw in some toast while that's cooking. I find it that's really fast. Um, other people like smoothies in the morning. So take a bunch of frozen fruit, package it up, throw your scoop of protein powder in your Ziploc bag. You can put a bunch of those in the freezer. So then in the morning, when you want to make it, you just empty your bag into your blender, add your almond milk, maybe Greek yogurt or whatever, quick blend, and it's ready. And then the other thing for fast would be like protein pancakes or protein waffles. Just cook a whole bunch up, freeze them. And then either pop them in the toaster or pop them in the microwave. And then you got breakfast like with under a minute. But there must be some sort of breakfast recommendation in there that, you know, some somebody likes anyways. Uh, okay, what protein snacks do you recommend? Like, <laughs> as you know, from my beginning spiel in <laughs> this podcast, Built Bars are my favorite just because they are really low calorie protein bar that tastes good. So that's my number one recommendation to all my clients is Built Bars. And if you go to the website, you do get a discount with promo code SPEDEFFECT. Um, Other things like beef jerky, you know, that's great. Um, If you tried the Quest chips, my favorite are the nacho flavored ones. I'll even make taco salad out of them, but sometimes I get a lot of protein in my taco salad. But yeah, those are tasty. You can even take like Greek yogurt, mix it with protein powder, maybe some berries. There's always those flavored tunas, put them, you know, eat them with crackers. There's also um, like at Popeye's, I know in in Saskatoon anyways, they have these bada bean snacks, these little, um, I don't know, those like flavored beans so they can get them in, I think like in ranch or barbecue and things like that. They've got some decent protein and fiber in them too. Also, if you live in the Saskatoon area or if you order from the Popeye Saskatoon website, you can also use promo code SPOTEFFECT there and get a discount. So um, in case you didn't know that, yeah, those would be probably the easiest little proteiny snacks that I can think of anyways. Um, Okay, so which rice is better? So they're referring to white rice, brown rice, jasmine. My answer is... None of them are better than the other. They're all great. I personally like white rice, um, but it would be whichever that you prefer. But one of them is not better for you than another one is. If you like some people, I don't know, think that the like wild rice tastes like nuttier. Um, others like the fiber that they get out of, you know, those ones as opposed to none in the white rice. But from, yeah, like a lot of athletes like white rice for a carb source. So, um, yeah, that's what I do and don't judge me, but I do minute rice. (laughs) So keeping it simple over here, but, uh, yeah, it's whatever you like. Um, okay. And the last question, do you have easy lower meal recommendations for people in a calorie deficit? You know, I've worked long and hard over the years to find and make foods that don't use up too many of my calories and keep me feeling full and satisfied. I'm a volume eater. So meaning I like a lot of food on my plate, but generally if you are a person who loves to eat a lot of food, it uses up a lot of your calories. And if you're in a calorie deficit, well, then you won't be hungry for the rest of the day if you had all your calories in one huge meal. 
So I like to add a lot of volume foods into my diet um, because they just use up less calories. So like I said, fat-free Greek yogurt, egg whites, light cheeses, like lean meats, like sirloin steak, uh, chicken breast, ground chicken, extra lean ground turkey, um, you know, protein powder. If you need to add, get a little extra protein, that's not really a volume thing, but I mean, you could mix it with almond milk and make a little smoothie out of it with some fruit and it would be low calorie and sit well. Then it's adding lots of fruits and veggies because those are low calorie and they will physically fill you up and make you feel satisfied. So, um, so what I, I, I'm always on the hunt for the most macro friendly foods that are out there. And I, make a healthify recipe. So if I find a recipe and let's say it's cheesecake and it's 700 calories for a slice, I'll be like, well, I want to eat cheesecake, but I want to eat a slice like every day. So I'm going to make a healthy, like not a healthier version, but a lower calorie version. And then I can have a slice every day because, and there are other people who are like, no, I'd rather just eat the one 600 calorie piece of cheesecake that very, you know, few times a year that I have it, then eat some sort of low calorie version. And that's totally fine. But this is just what I do for, you know, volume and eating. And if I wanted low calorie, lower calories, so I can eat more during my day. So I literally can take any recipe and adjust it. So it still tastes, you know, essentially the same and is lower calories. So I put every one of those recipes that I have ever tested onto my Pinterest page. So it's just pinterest.ca slash sweat effect. And you can go through and find so many different things. Like there's breakfast options, um, you know, slow cooker meals, you know, everything from Italian to Mexican to what other cuisine do I have on there? Asian, lots of different stuff. So go try those out. Um, and yeah, sneak veggies in wherever you can, because that is going to help keep you feeling full and satisfied. Um, eating appropriate amounts of protein and fiber, again, it digests slower. So it's also going to keep you feeling satisfied longer because the one thing that you don't want if you're in a calorie deficit is to feel hungry. And if you are feeling extremely hungry and you do those things, then maybe your calorie deficit is too low. Actually, I even have a client who is like, you know what? I started doing more exercise. So I was feeling really hungry. So, um, I upped my calories and I'm like, that was a good move. Usually people are all like, should I, I don't know. I'll just fight through it. And it's like, no, I don't want you to chew gum or drink water or go for a walk. Like people shouldn't be starving. You should be hungry before your next meal. But if you're hungry all day long, that's a good sign that you're probably eating too low of calories. So keep that in mind. But I think that's where I'm going to leave you hanging, guys. So I hope that you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to share it on your social media to keep it thriving. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences, and daily doses of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit.